Hey, this is James Cratch, Giants beat writer for the Star Ledger and NJ.com, and you are listening to JK, but seriously, real football injury talk. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Fantasy Football Injury Report with my co-host, Josh Boyd. Uh, you're currently listening to week eight of the 2017 season, and this week there's a lot of a lot of things to talk about. Uh, I think the highlight is probably going to be the hit on Joe Flacco, which happened on last Thursday night, but... We're going to start off with some other injuries first. Uh, first off, we got Jordan Reed, tight end uh, for Washington with a hamstring. Yeah, so this was just a regular. He was just running post route over the middle and pulled up lame, came out. Uh, he tried, I think he tried to come back in for a series or two, and then he shut it down after halftime. But this is probably – he's probably the biggest fantasy guy from the week who had a, an injury – and this is the first time we don't have like a big superstar. I was going to call you out. I'm like, you can't yeah, say it this week. Yeah, no big superstar season-ending injury for like the first time in five or six weeks now that we don't have like your huge name going. Hurt. And happy late birthday, by the way. Your Thanks. birthday was yesterday. Thanks. And a uh, happy 100th episode. So Thanks. we get a little bit of Coincide. congratulations for everybody. But yeah, so Reed is, I think, is the biggest fantasy guy, offensive guy that people are using on the fantasy teams to get hurt. Um, and he's a frustrating one just because he's so uber talented. He's just... He's one of the best tight ends in the league, but he just can't stay on the field. Whether it's last year he had shoulders, and this year it's hammies and quads and groins and ankle, and just oh, it seems like it's always something with this guy. Just another one of those kind of like we talked about Kevin White at the beginning of the year with the Bears. He's just, this is just one of those guys where it's either it's snake bitten or it's just he's more prone his body's more prone to injuries than everybody else. But he's just a guy that's so talented and he can't seem to stay on the field. And it really hurts the Redskins too, because they don't I mean, he's their biggest most athletic, biggest target in the passing game and they just like I said, they can't keep him on the field. Makes you wonder why. Wonder wonder what he's doing off the field or something. I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like there's I mean, there's a handful of these guys in the NFL, um, every year that have to get that tag on him. So maybe maybe once they get uh, tagged with that, oh, uh, this guy's injury prone. Maybe you just kind of triggers in and you just realize it more. But Self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. as they call it. Yeah, kind of one of those things. All right, then the next one's a pretty gruesome one. Yeah, this is Z- gross. Zach Miller, tight end from Chicago with a knee-slash-leg injury. And the video of this one is online if you want to watch it. Yeah, this is one of the worst, this worst ones. I know. saw a lot of people were comparing it to uh, like the Willis McGahee one. In, in that when he was at Miami, but that was contact. That was contact. Uh, the Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Lattimore, Marcus Lattimore from South yeah, Carolina, yeah, yeah. yeah, from South Carolina. Um, also contact. Yeah, and this one wasn't, and it's just like his leg just crumbled. Yeah, on. it looks like his it, like everything in his knee just blew up, and it is. I mean, so I don't I don't even know exactly what specific. I think it's just everything. He dislocated his kneecap. He tore everything. Um, so they had to keep him in. They were playing at the Saints. They had to keep him in New Orleans. And he had, like, ruptured an artery, and they had to take skin grafts from his other leg to put it in his the leg that he hurt. To stop the bleeding in the artery. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, a serious thing. And it's not uncommon with that kind of injury that you could, like, lose your leg because of the yeah. artery thing. So that's what they came out last night and said that was, like, the wor- they didn't put a percentage on it, but, like, this is the worst-case scenario is, like, we need to do surgery so he doesn't lose his leg. So they came out this afternoon and said the surgery went well. He's staying there for a couple of days, and so did we. But as of now, they think it's just for his leg, like for his right. this, for his safety going forward. I'm not familiar with Zach Miller, but like, what year is he in the NFL? He's a veteran. He's been around for a while. I mean, he's he's a pretty good tight end. I mean, he's he's been around. He's been around on a couple of teams. I think he was on the Seahawks to start his career, um, and he was kind of like the safety blanket for the Bears. Um, and for their rookie quarterback. Um, so if he's been around, he's, he at least got paid a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I think he got a pretty decent contract with, with, with the Bears because he's, he, he's, he's a veteran. He's been around like eight, ten years. So it's it's sad to see. I would I, I can't imagine. I don't know if he's going to play again. It's one of those things that – like your Teddy Bridgewater thing where you just blow up everything, it's going to be yeah, – And it's one of those things. If you if you got the, the second contract and you have enough money in the bank, like yeah. why bother it, yeah. trying to uh, yeah. further there's, risk? There's bigger there's bigger things involved here, like just walking again. So right. But if you want to look at that one, that was – but, like, again, if you're squeamish. Yeah, just, probably don't look at yeah, that one. Just scroll down to the <laughs> next one. Uh, next injury we got is Chris Hogan, wide receiver for New England. And I took a look at this one and – it looks like a tackle. Yeah. But it, I think he just got him in there. And I they haven't – I mean, the Patriots are always – this is my Patriot bias, but the Patriots are always tight-lipped about their injuries. But So they said they were doing an MRI today. 
they haven't come out and said what was wrong. I know he had rib pro- he had a rib issue from last game um, that he was dealing with coming into this game, but they said he, they they said after the game his arm was in a sling, so that makes you kind of think maybe collarbone, maybe shoulder. He kind of held his arm like it was a collarbone-y type. Uh, yeah, that's that was my first impression, but they haven't they they, it, they haven't said it for sure. Yeah, but, it was really just like a helmet straight to yeah, the arm. Yeah, so he was doing one of those shallow crossing routes coming across the middle of the field, two yards past the line of scrimmage, caught it, looked up, and I think it was a linebacker was just right on him, and he put his helmet like pretty much right on his upper arm yeah direct hit yeah and so i was just a force and the impact of it could have messed a lot it's definitely a hard hit I'll, I'll give him that yeah, it was and then i think brady came out this morning and basically said it was his own fault if i if i heard what he said correctly oh really why because yeah. he like let him no no it was hogan's fault not it was brady's fault oh it was, it was hogan's <laughs> own fault why? almost like he was like uh, he had enough time to realize where he was on the field and where the defenders were so oh, way was, to be a supportive teammate. It was kind Tom. of weird. I didn't – it was – it was the, the, the the quote was read. I didn't hear him say it. So yeah, it's one of those things where, like, things, yeah. people who are anti-Brady probably make it say, – say it in the right way. Oh, what a jerk. And, yeah, make him sound like an asshole. Right. A masshole. <laughs> All right, next injury we got is the one everyone's talking about. Uh, Joe Flacco, quarterback for Baltimore with a con- obvious concussion. Yeah, so we're going to dig into this one for probably a couple – ten, maybe ten minutes here. So – First of all, on the play, this is the perfect to me. This is the perfect storm of how a quarterback can, how this can happen to a quarterback. So we'll read off all the Facebook um, and Instagram comments, and we had there, there. There's a lot of them, and it was it was pretty evenly split right down the middle of yeah. almost 50 comments. It was pretty much split right down the middle, whether it was dirty or whether it was one of the like speed we're of the game, speed of the game, it. can't avoid it. Um, Personally, I, I don't, I I want to lean more towards C, but my overriding thing is how can we? Okay, I get it. C it's, is speed. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like I, I get it. It's speed of the game. I don't think it was dirty. I don't think it was intentional. But how? Do, okay, getting past that, how do we? How do we eliminate this from happening again? Whether it's okay, speed of the game's fine, but like we said, the argument is oh, it's that's, football. Yeah, you can't that, do that's it. That's not a solution. Yes, yeah. yeah. So you, we got to figure out how. But so just go back to the play a little bit. It was it was third down. It was third and long towards the end zone. It was like third and 10, third and 12. Flacco scrambled out of the pocket, and it looked like it got to the point where he was like five to six yards away from the first down, and he was like, oh, shit, I might be able to get the first down. And then he gets like two yards to the first down. He's like, eh. And he's like, not going to be able to get the first down. And he and he slides late, and he tries to get down. It's one of those ones where if that's 50 yards further back down the field, or if that, if that was a second and 10, Instead of a third and ten, no matter where it is on the field, he'll he'll he would he would have got down earlier. It would have been third and three, third and four. If it was third down inside their own fifty, he probably would have gotten down earlier. They would have punted the ball. But one of the like if it's him in the red zone and watching the play for a split second there when he's getting when he's like I said five six yards away from getting the first down, he's like oh shit I might be able to actually get this. And then everyone it's everything so much tighter in the red zone. He uh, then he realized late. That he wasn't going to get it, and instead, of, and like as a quarterback, you're going to, if you don't try to give yourself up, you're going to, you're going to get crushed because the one time that they can actually hit you if you don't try to slide. Right. So he did try to slide. He slid late, and he got, and it, and the angle was perfect too. Whereas, like to me, as a defender, you can't not hit him there. And it, like everyone who says it was dirty says, oh, he can jump over him, he can pull up. Just the timing of it all, I don't think he could have. So I don't know how else. And I mean, like I said, there, like the speed of the game argument. There, he's going so fast. I don't know if he could have hit him any other way. And he kind of led with his forearm, but I just, I think it was a perfect storm of the situation where it just completely blew up in in Flacco, and he was clearly, um, he was out. He was didn't know where he was. It yeah, looked he had like. no idea what was going on. And but. just to get specifics, we had 16 comments for uh, speed of the game was the problem, and then 17 for B, as in it was a dirty hit. And, you know, Josh, can you read through some of the comments yeah. just because I can't read out loud apparently? Yeah, I'll read through kind of the comments. Um, we'll we'll post – every uh, obviously we'll post everything on the blog. And I also have two uh, 
clips from mainstream sports media guys about their view of it too. So if those you wanna, are super interesting. Yeah, so if you we'll want to take a look at those, yeah. Um, one is Colin Cowherd. Right? He's got one of the Fox Radio. They do like the simulcast radio TV shit. He's great. I think I like him. He got he kind of it's. He, I like him. You can only listen for so for long. He like just talks in the same tone so much that he gets kind of annoying. But he, I do like a lot of stuff he says. Okay, Joe Flacco. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> He's preaching so much. And then there's another one, uh, NFL Network clip right after the game. Their post game guys. I think it was David Carr, Willie McGinnis. So there's offensive and defensive guys um, who were who were talking about it. And the thing that got me was before I read the comments, almost all of the media guys, the sports media guys, and especially the players, were defending. Kiko Alonso, the the, the safety, linebacker, yeah. um, and they all basically said, uh, "Is he safety or linebacker?" He's linebacker. Oh, he's a smaller linebacker, and he's like, "You can't." He basically, they all said, "Look, a lot of this is on Flacco. Yeah, you don't want to see anybody get hurt, but um, it's just it's the speed of the game. He wasn't trying to injure anybody. He slid late, all that stuff." So I was kind of surprised. I really didn't hear anybody from a national perspective come out and say it was dirty. Mm-hmm. So. Just Baltimore fans. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, like, if your quarterback – that happens to your quarterback, I, I mean, I don't blame you. But um, So, some of the comments from uh, Instagram and Facebook were – Facebook, huh? Fa- Facebook. <laughs> um, the first one, hard to make a decision. If Miami doesn't commit to tackle early, Flacco doesn't commit to slide. Happens so fast. So, basically um, – and there's and part of the, another part of the argument is, like, they were showing clips. Maurice Jones-Drew showed a clip of uh, Bortles a couple weeks back when they were playing the Jets, and he ran like 25 yards down the field and was angling toward, towards the towards the sideline, and the safety like relaxed, and he put his put oh, his shoulder down. The and quarterback him laid him out. And got five more yards. So, I mean, like I said, sometimes quarterbacks take advantage of it. It's a good point. It's a, uh, That was a different situation, though, but still. Um, Friend Evan, he's on the podcast next week, guest host. Um, he said, see, speed of the game. Watching it live, it looked like Flacco was running full speed and made a last-second choice to slide. Flacco needs to give himself up earlier to protect himself, sliding late, and the rule in general puts defenders in a tough position, in my opinion. When I watched the replay, Flacco appeared to look towards the sideline, then sees Alonzo coming and tries to get down. Alonzo could have tried to hold up or jump, but it's moving so fast, not to mention it was right at the first down marker, so he's trying to stop him from moving change. To me, that was the biggest part of it. And like I said, it was, it was the third down, it was a situation, it was the red zone, and it was – a first down play. And yeah. and for a split second, I think he thought he was going to be able to get the first down. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, like I said, I think that just the combination of those factors. As a defender, you'll do anything to keep him from getting a first down. Especially in the red zone. Yeah, and it was throw your body it anyway. Was, it was only, I know, the Baltimore ended up winning 40 to nothing. It was 10 nothing at the time. It was 10 nothing late late in the second quarter. So, I mean, they ended up getting flagging it, and they ended up scoring a touchdown to make it 17 nothing. But, if there was no flag on the play, then it's fourth down. Then they kick the field goal, thirteen nothing. It's, I mean, obviously still a game. So you get down close in the red zone like that. Um, uh, yeah, like you said, they're they're trying to make a play, just try to stop them from st- st- stop, the, stop, stop the drive, stop I, points. I when I the more I looked at the the hit, I think he could have jumped over him, but it'd be like a last second, like oh he, yeah. he's sliding. Uh, yeah. Let me hop over him. It's yeah, like, he could have easily hurt himself. Yeah, you know. Um, I've also I also heard the argument a lot. I think one one comment said this uh, like compared it to a running back. Like running backs don't slide. He compared it to another position. Running backs don't slide. Like no no one no other position with the ball slides like that. Gives himself up like and that. And that's and the the other part the the one thing that what if they did? How funny would that be? Yeah. But like I think there I think there's a I think you can everyone can give themselves up like that, but no one else does. But the thing is, so they put this sliding rule for quarterbacks in for their protection. But if you think about it, if you're if you're not sliding correctly or if you're sliding late, you, as a quarterback, you're putting yourself more at risk to get hurt and get injured like this just because you're so vulnerable. Yeah, like you're, you're not protecting yourself. No, you're not protecting you're yourself at giving all. Yourself up, like yeah. your 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 chest and your head are open to any defenders that are come that that, that, that are coming at you. Okay, so yeah, I get it. If you, if you if you slide and they hit you, it's supposed to be a penalty, which this one was. Um, and I think a lot of it. I think this was a lot of optics. I think once his helmet came off, and I think that was one of the reasons why it got called a penalty. Because it looked bad. Yes. Um, but so I think that sometimes the slide rule hurts the quarterback because because if Flacco goes head first, or if he doesn't slide at all, yeah, he's he's opening himself up. But he probably 
if, if you're not going to slide early enough where there's no question, as a quarterback, you're better off not sliding at all. I think David Carr said that in one of the videos yes. that you, you, you showed me with the commentators from uh, NFL Network. And that's what he said. He's like, he would have been better off just not sliding yeah. and just trying to like duck be, one way or the other. Because then you can protect yourself to some extent. Yeah, you might still get hit pretty hard. And you're a quarterback running in open field, so the defenders are going to come after you. But at least then you can know where the hit's coming from and you can gear your body to protect yourself and protect the ball and protect your head. Whereas I think some, not, they're, I don't think quarterbacks are maybe taking advantage of the slide rule, but when they're sliding and they slide late, like I said, they're – Especially their head is vulnerable because that's the only place. If a defender does commit to hitting you, if it's that late, the only place you're going to get hit is in, in the, the head. head. Yeah, it's the highest point of highest yeah. uh, head and neck area. A, a, a defender's not going to dive at your at, at your knees when you're sliding. Right. Just mean. So as a baseball guy, you're you're a pro at sliding, and what's the reason why you slide in like a double play situation? Well, there's a lot of. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, so you don't get hit in the freaking face with yeah, the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in a situation like a double play, you're getting down, so you don't get hit by the by the ball. You're trying to break up. They're trying to take that out too. Trying to break up the double plays. But yeah, yeah, like you, you, you're you're getting down. Part of it is protecting yourself. Yeah. So, but like when you slide, like you you get yourself down. Like you get as close to the ground as like you can, so you don't get hit in the face. Like I feel like when these quarterbacks are sliding, it's like. Their yeah. ass is on the ground, but like their whole torso yeah. is like standing straight yeah. up in the and air. The, uh, another issue, make you yourself see, small. Yeah. And the other issue you see with slides sometimes, especially with concussions, is quarterbacks when they slide late and they get hit, and then they get their helmet and their head that gets and end up bounced off the ground. Right, it gets like sandwiched between the ground. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's and that's another thing. So, um, it's just let's read read some more comments. Um, we got Simpson. He says, man, this is a tough one. Defender had already committed to hit him when Flacco was going down. I'm going to say C. My other question concern is that his helmet has to be buckled tighter. Um, I realize he took a headshot and he has to tighten it up. It looked like his chin strap She's come off. He's an athletic trainer. So yeah. she... it, 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 to me, it looked like his, uh, his chin strap come off. Like it was the angle. Like it, Alonzo was coming almost across. It wasn't like head to head. Right. It was, he was coming across him, and as his shoulder really came across his head it unbuckled his chin strap and knocked someone off well one of the things that i've noticed about quarterbacks is that all of them there's like two different types of hookups that you can have for your chin strap on a helmet 99 percent of football players have the high hookup which is like a chin strap that comes yeah. up like to the top yeah. like crown of your head they have the new helmet where it like uh you can like press the button and yeah, that's the Rydell like speed yeah, flex. It's like it more locks in. Yeah. Uh, but with the quarterbacks, like Aaron Rodgers, he yeah. has this kind of chin strap too. It's Flacco. like this really old school, old buckle. school flimsy buckle yeah. that can like is easy to take yeah. off. But but like we've talked about the helmets before, like everyone knows Brett Favre. You remember how Brett, Brett yeah, Favre had that cloth one, and he used to unbuckle it after. Like it was, it was one, one strap, of, and it was one of his like. I don't know if it was uh, superstitions or just idiosyncrasies. Like, that's what he did as a quarterback. After every play, when he was calling the play in the huddle, he would unbutton his chin strap and it would be hanging off. I don't know if it was easier for him to talk. And then, and then yeah. as he was going up to the line in a scrimmage, every single play, he'd buckle it back up. Right. So, I mean, it definitely has to do with, like, a, a vocalization thing and being able to talk. Uh, but I remember when I was playing, I was freaking – tightening my chin strap as hard as I freaking could. Yeah. So my, my head wasn't yeah. bouncing around. Um. Let's see. Let's see. Let's try to get some of some of the dirty ones here. Um, this one says dirty. First, he committed to slide before Alonzo even started his tackling process. I didn't really see that. Um, second, he went low, which if Flacco stayed upright, would have been right at his knees. Another violent, unnecessary hit. He could have went over the top of him if he was truly trying trying to tackle correctly. I mean, it's not. I think this is a. a... A Ravens fan. Yeah, I can't really. Another one, dirty. Even if he had already committed, already committed, he should have had his arms out trying to tackle Flacco with good form. But he was diving at the shoulder, shoulder first with the intent of laying a massive hit on the quarterback. So even without Flacco sliding, he was looming. He was looming to put an excessive force, um, which made it worse. Um, yeah, I, he definitely launched himself. Yeah, like, which is true. But and, but in that situation, what else can you really do? Yeah, we've talked about tackling a lot before, and there's some. I mean, you can't always wrap up like in that situation. The angles, he there was no opportunity for him to wrap up Flacco. You right. Know what I mean, you'd be like wrapping up the grass. Yeah, it was just uh, to me. I don't think that was an option. So I mean, I don't. He did. I mean, he led with his shoulder and his forearm and. Yeah, but yeah, again, it's a quarterback and it's in the red zone. So that's, I just don't know if that was, um, as there's, 
your boy more Sussex Sports. It's amazing that George <laughs> Muha. It's amazing that Ronnie Lott would have laid three hits like this a game and it wouldn't even get a replay. I think this hit was dirty based on the current rules, but I think it does say a lot about how far we've come with football safety. We we're even talking about it, and that's kind of the one. That's one thing. Oh, back another like a back in my day or old timers. Yeah, twenty five years ago. What is this? Two thousand seventeen. Thirty five years ago in the mid eighties and the early nineties, like. Probably would not have been, it would probably been re- replayed and glorified for how good of a hit it was. This wasn't. It's on jacked up. Yeah. So, and I, I get it. I still don't think it's dirty, but um, we got a dolphin. Our our friend Zach is is a dolphin fan. Um, he said, "See, he said not a fan of Kiko. I think personally as a player, uh, he means. But the slide was late in a clear attempt at the first down. Penalty, yes. Dirty or malicious? I don't think so. But if you want to talk about dirty or malicious, where what are your thoughts with the the post play? Um, I get defending your your quarterback and teammate, but after late hit on Kiko once on the ground, the Raven lineman continues to jump on him, um, and yeah, and there was, there was a, a whole scuffle. I was kind of surprised that there was only one flag, so they only flagged Kiko Kiko's hit, and you can see that, the retaliation. Oh yeah, there was a lot of stuff after yeah, the guy that. Guy took him out. Yeah, and it's hard to sometimes it just happens so fast that it's hard to for them to kind of see everything because they're running in to break it up, so it's hard to see the whole picture. But yeah, I thought there should have been. I thought it should have been at least. A retaliation yeah, flag. Yeah, no, it's hard to. That, that was like. Uh, it's hard to judge those like, out, but it like is. Like Mama Bear instincts from the lineman trying yeah. to protect. Uh, well, you don't blame him. Her cup. Yeah, I don't blame him. I thought there should have been a penalty. I tried to get her, our, my boy Kyle Turley to re- reply. You didn't say anything? No, but because uh, Kyle, back in the day, he, he was known for ripping a dude's helmet off and chucking it for a similar situation where uh, either his quarterback or his running back got a cheap hit or something, but he didn't respond. But anyway. <laughs> Um, a couple of Facebook comments. I thought B until I saw a wide angle at full speed. The athletes are closing on each other's head at full speed and Flacco drops when they're only five yards apart. Borderline call is a function of speed of game. Um, I'm torn about this one. First I said B, but after watching it several times, especially in slow motion, I think maybe C. Flacco started to slide at the same time Alonzo was coming in for the tackle at full speed. Unfortunate that Flacco was at, the, at a vulnerable point. Um, would would it be viewed differently if it was a running back and not a quarterback? Some quarterbacks seem like they can't be touched anymore. It's too hard to tell if it's dirty or speed of the game. Um, but he get a fine finer suspension. Yeah, we they haven't they haven't said any. He hasn't gotten disciplined yet. Um, there hasn't been any fine or um, suspension yet. But I would assume that would be con- I, he'll he'll at least get fined. I would kind of I, w- I would be surprised honestly. He gets suspended. I don't think he will. Um, but he'll I would think he would definitely get fined. So basically. A lot of them said the same thing, and like you said, I think the dirty ones were a little more biased, um, and yeah. and all the ones that said speed of the game all said sim- very similar things, kind of like what we said. But so just so stepping outside of this specific play, how can you change it so this doesn't happen? You know what I mean? Like Cowherd's biggest thing was, um, and he and this is he said the same thing about the Aaron Rodgers play. Think of the quarterbacks who play every single game and never get hurt. Eli, Matt or Matt Ryan, um, Stafford moves around a little bit. Right, they stay um, in the pocket. They stay in the pocket. Like those guys don't get hurt. Philip Rivers and all the rules kind of yes. protect the quarterback so if, in the pocket. If you're staying in that pocket, you, I mean, yes, you could obviously still get hurt, but you're putting yourself a lot less likely to get hurt when you get outside of the pocket. That's when you're opening yourself up to things like this happening. Sometimes they're freak things like Aaron Rodgers, but you're not protected as much anymore. But So how can you – the slide rule is great. I get it. But how can you protect – how can you stop this from happening is basically what, 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 what my point is. Uh, from a rules perspective, I'm not sure yet, but I'm willing to brainstorm with you. But just a thought that I just had right now is as a quarterback, I feel like you got to pick one or the other. Like, either you want to be a pocket guy or you want to be, like, a runner guy. And if you're going to be a runner guy, don't slide. Like, be a runner. Yeah. And, and this is – and like I said, this is another thing that builds into the perfect storm of this specific play is Flacco really isn't a running quarterback. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he'll run – I would say he let, runs us in once a game. Once a game, maybe. So, he's running 15, 16 times a year, right? So, he's not your super athletic um, guy who's going to be able to avoid – that kind, like a Deshaun Watson, like Russell Wilson, like those guys slide super early, but they're also able to avoid a lot of big major hits when they do run out of the pocket because they run out of the pocket so much more. Russell Wilson, baseball guy, yeah, guy can slide, <laughs> and he knows how to slide. Him. He does slide really well. Um, but so 
Flacco just he's one of those guys that isn't as athletic. He's just not as much as much of a natural athlete. So when he does get outside of the pocket sometimes it's like like Ben. Like if Ben gets outside of the pocket, like it's and when Eli does get outside of the pocket, it's like your brother Ben? You like you know you have to like if you're one of those guys, you know you have to get down early. Because those guys closing in on you so much quicker than they're closing in on Russell Wilson. Because you're just, I mean, you're, you're not, not moving as quick. You're not as mobile. You're not as fast. <laughs> so it's like I was trying to think of like, all right, quarterbacks can't run. Like no, you can't. You can't say quarterbacks can't run. Can't say quarterbacks can't slide. But it's like, I I don't know if there is a way to stop like a play like this. Didn't we have a conversation with Cratch about something similar to this? I think we was we talked about the whole knee down, knee down, you're down. Right, but that doesn't that doesn't fix this this particular situation. No, because it's still. Uh, he was like, eh, "Is he gonna slide? Is he gonna slide?" Yeah, it's just a late slide. And I and again, I my biggest takeaway it was just a perfect situation where it was in the red zone. He realized really late that he might be able to get the first down, and then realized even later that he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he had no other option than. They think, okay, I'm going to slide and get down. But at the point it was late, and he just, like you said, when you when he does slide, it's really vulnerable. So, I'm going to be honest. I think with this one, I don't know if there's much you could do about it. Yeah, but it's it, just, but the optics of it, it does look, it does look for the NFL. And again, there's another Thursday night national TV prime time game. What seems to happen there? His, his helmet's off. He's clearly like, he, he's all, all all the, the memes. He's like, check please. <laughs> like his arms up in the air. Like <laughs> I'm like I'm out. I feel bad laughing. I know about it, but. you do, but. So and then moving past the play itself, Harbaugh came out today and says he has no concussion symptoms at all and he's ready to go this week. Yeah, how is that possible? I don't know. That's guy. It's just that's that's what he said. So you could just look into his eyes like immediately after you knew something's wrong. So, but I like uh, like kind of like we said with the Trevathan thing. Thanks guys for all the comments and um, thoughts. Yeah, it makes it's, it engaging. Ah, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, I like to see other people's reactions to it too it makes it it makes it makes for really good conversation yeah i know the the picture that i posted on instagram was the first one i found first one that i found that, that someone posted but there's since been wider angles that can give you a little better idea on where like, each the of the situation yeah. you know uh, yeah where each of them are you know when he starts to slide because yeah. like when alonzo started the tackle, like he really never launched himself like he wasn't airborne no like, but he was moving yeah he was moving fast yeah but to, to and if you saw like him post game, his post game interview, you could tell he kind of felt bad about it. Yeah. Like he didn't. Yeah, and like 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 we said the, with the Trevason thing, none of these guys want. This isn't 1980. None of these guys want to hurt each Except other. Except for Vontez. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's a maniac. Yeah, that I guy. Think he might want to hurt people. But other than that, like these guys are all like they're all buddies. They're all friends. They all get it. Right. Um, especially with all the social media stuff now, and like they've the players are a lot more buddy buddy with you, so they they don't they get it. I mean, this is these guys' livelihoods. They don't want to hurt anybody. I almost kind of thought that, in, when you're saying that, like the guys are all buddy buddy. Like I feel like diehard fans like don't want to see that. They don't want to see. They want to see like enemies on the field. Yeah, I I I think just personally, I think there's the fans are starting to. Just because of the generational, and especially the maybe it's just the younger fans, they're starting to accept it more. That they're and people too. That yeah. It's just, I mean, it's it's the way it is. I mean, I think there was a point five, eight, ten years ago when it first, when like the social media first boomed, and people were really against it, and now I think it's becoming more accepted. But that's just my personal opinion. All right. Uh, any further comments on uh, Colin Coward or the NFL Network's uh, group of guys? No, I just think if you want, if you want to uh, dive into it a little bit deeper, those are good things to like read the comments that were. If you're gonna, if you go back and you're reading the blog post, read the comments that are on Instagram, and then I think the NFL Network's only three minutes. Cowherd's I think is a little bit longer; it's five or six minutes. But just to get a sense of kind of what they were saying about it too. And Cowherd goes into like jersey sales and how they're all. Yeah. He, uh, he's always they're he's, all offensive guys. He's the big picture guy. Yeah. He always like takes this stuff and, and just blows, it, blows it to like bigger theorized. Yeah, he's saying political. Messages. He was saying something about uh, being the badass and how defensive yeah. guys need to be the badass if they're going to get paid yeah i mean think i mean it he might be right <laughs> he's got a point to an extent is where like all right so a lot of this publicity for kiko was bad publicity but it's still 
still publicity you know that's the old saying that that there's no no bad publicity right so i mean he's been in the news cycle constantly for the last five days so i mean if he doesn't not that he's i don't even know who the hell he was until this uh, not that he's trying to do that you know not that he's like aiming to make dirty plays so he's in the news but i mean when a fluke thing when it happens right it happens so all right now we got uh week seven updates and week eight uh plays so we got Luke Keekley, linebacker from Carolina. He was active this week. He played the full game against Tampa Bay. Yeah, so decent amount of updates and plays this week. Um, so obviously we've been talking about Keekley for three, four weeks now. Um, he played this week, so he missed one game, played this week, played the whole game. Defense only gave up three points. Like I said, he's the best player. It makes a huge difference when he's out there. He's just it's, whatever it is. It's like the Cowboys and Sean Lee. When their middle linebacker's in there, they're a completely different defense. Um, so – there was an article that came out, um, Pro Football Talk, that during Keekley's specific interviews, he won't – either he's not admitting that he had a concussion or he's like, he's basically dancing around the whole concussion thing. Like he's – they're not – Saying, um, like, I'm not talking about that or something or – Well, he's – he he's answering it in a way where he's not saying he didn't have a concussion and he's not saying he did have a concussion. So it's, it's just one of those things where at, at the end of the day, does it really matter to us? Like, no, like if he had a concussion, pass protocol and played, like that's the process that's supposed to happen. Yes. So that's fine. Yes. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's just a, one of those things that it's, it's just so vague and so cloudy. Like I get it. It doesn't matter. He got hit. He missed a game. He was in protocol. Does it matter if it was technically a concussion or not? No, something happened and he wasn't feeling right. And he was in protocol. I mean, but it's one. I think it's one, just one of those things where they don't want to label it as a concussion for PR and purposes to say, Oh, he had, he didn't get his third concussion in three seasons, but he missed a game for something <laughs> for something. <laughs> You know, so he missed a game for something. It was concussion related, concussion symptoms, but it wasn't. But he didn't technically get diagnosed with another concussion. Like for him specifically, it truly doesn't matter. No. Uh, something. What matters is he got hit in the head again, and he missed a game. Uh, it's just, and it's just, just another hit, hit to the head that had some effect on him. It doesn't actually matter if he got another concussion or not. But it's just optically and PR wise, it's just weird that it's still a topic and that he doesn't doesn't come out and say no i didn't have a concussion i missed a game i i had, was having concussion like symptoms i did not get diagnosed with a concussion i we as a team came out and made the decision for me not to play the game now i'm playing i feel great and, he, and on the other side he's not saying i got i got a concussion we went through the protocol i passed protocol now i'm ready to play again. and i feel great and i feel great yeah. so but he's just somewhere in the middle where it's just this gray area where and I'm sure it's. I'm sure he's being told by the organization not to say anything. It's just. It's just. Uh, he's being coached for sure. Yeah, it's just interesting. So he's just a guy, guy to keep an eye on the rest of the way. Uh, next uh, follow up is Andrew Sendejo, safety from Minnesota, suspended one game. Yeah, so that was the hit, the Mike Wallace hit that we talked about last week, um, where again helmets off, he's on the ground, prone. Yeah, the arms are jacked the up. Defensing. Uh, stance or something i forget what it's called it's called like fencing or something when your hands go up when you get a concussion yeah so again there was they didn't flag him for this in the game he was a runner i get it he he didn't get flagged for this in the game but he got suspended for a game for repeated violations of just unsafe play so we talked about him i think it was week two the cameron brait with the buccaneers we talked about him earlier you got a good memory dude i I remember talking about him earlier in the season but i don't remember who he hit or anything like that it's, it sticks sometimes. So he so he was fined and penalized earlier in the season for a helmet-to-helmet defenseless receiver hit. So it's this one really wasn't that public. It wasn't that publicized. Obviously, he's not a huge name. He's their starting safety for a good team, but it's it wasn't a huge breaking news story or anything. But it was just interesting to me to, to see that he got suspended for a play, even though it was a repeat offender, even though he didn't get flagged for the play itself during the game, right? Which is a uh, which was at least interesting to me. And we got our boy, yeah, Fontes perfect. So he was fined twelve thousand for the kick, not suspended. So for kicking a player in the face, yeah. So it was to me that was it was borderline. If it, if if he never got suspended for anything, it would be like. Okay, he's getting carried away. Find him, but since he had since he had gotten suspended 
so many times prior, I I thought they were I thought they would suspend him for a game, but. Imagine just having twelve thousand dollars just like ripped away from you, and just being like, "Eh, okay, it's whatever." It's a, it's a lot. Um, the next one, we got Robert McLean. He's just buck safety, so he was fined twenty four thousand dollars. Your typical helmet to helmet hit that we talked about all year. Um, this was against the Bills um, wide receiver Deontay Thompson. So this was late in the game, um, about three minutes left. We got the video up. We'll be on uh, – it's a YouTube video. It's later on in the video. but So not only did he get a helmet-to-helmet penalty, get a penalty. He, like, knocked himself out. Get, he got fined. He also got himself a concussion on the play, and he didn't play this week because of the concussion that he suffered making the hit. Worth it. <laughs> so and, – and the guy caught the ball. It was just a grand slam of bad things. Um, yeah, that'll show you. And I mean the the hit's not terrible, but I think this is one that sound like it sounds it sounded bad. It was like face mask to face mask. It sounded it was plastic. It sounded bad. Um, it wasn't by far. It wasn't the worst one I've seen, but it's still. And like we like we've said all year, if you're a lot of times when you're doing this to the other guy, you're putting yourself at risk also. Yeah. Which is, which, yeah. Leave with your head. Yeah. Which which was the case in this one specifically. You could pronounce this name. I have no idea how to pronounce that. So this is the Texans tight end that we talked about the first week of the season. Um, C.J. Fedorovic, um, who played week one, got a concussion, put him on IR. And this is the one thing that we brought up. Like, you rarely see a guy go on IR for a concussion. And he had one that we think he had one in the preseason. It was cloudy, couldn't figure it out, whatever. Um, so he started practicing again this week. So this is, what, week eight? He got concussed in week one. This was – going into week eight so he missed six full weeks of practice um so he's the way the ir works is once you practice your first day you have two weeks to be activated onto the active roster so you can practice for two weeks before they have to make a decision whether to activate you or then if they don't activate you then you stay on ir for the rest of the year okay so he has technically he still has this whole week and the beginning of next week to practice if he's still not ready to play. or I mean, they can activate him earlier if they want to also. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he continues to practice, if he has any more symptoms, if they activate him, if he plays, um, come back the rest of the year. And like I said, going back to week one, this was just interesting to me. Um, one, because it didn't get a huge amount of publicity, and two, because, like I said, you usually don't see um, guys put immediately on, on IR. You're going to miss eight weeks for, for a concussion. Um, so uh, just another one to continue, just a concussion storyline to keep following a little bit as we go here in the second half of the year. All right, then we got uh, Quandre Diggs. Yeah, that's right. Uh, cornerback, you impressed by that? Yeah, it was good. That's a tough name. Quandre? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. We took Spanish. <laughs> it kind of flows off the tongue. Uh, for a hit on Jesse James, I saw this one. I texted you about it last night. Yes, yeah, so this was in the Sunday night game. And again, this this the video of this one will be up. And he ran like a little uh, dig or uh, Jesse James, the Steelers tight end, and he ran just like a little pinch route. He took two steps pinch, out, huh? Two steps out, two steps in. Um, he was probably four yards down the field, right over top of the center, right in the middle of the field, and the corner came up and just hit him like crown of the helmet right underneath the chin. Um, called a flag. I thought I was. I mean, I thought major was, whiplash. Yeah, I thought it was obviously a flag. I mean. It's one of those ones where five years ago, that's a completely legal play, which is the silly part to think about, scary part to think about. That now and now it's like that play. It's not even thought twice about. That it's it's just like oh, okay. oh, yeah. that's automatically that's a flag. You can't do that. Can't even argue it because that's it's just the one where you have that one specifically. It was there. He wasn't like running across the sprinting across the field to make a play. He was planted probably two yards from James. And he, like you said, led launch, led with his helmet, and was right underneath um, James's chin. So it wasn't like, a, okay, I don't, I don't have a target to hit here. James wasn't moving very fast, you know. He wasn't, he didn't have twenty yards of steam behind him running down the field. So I mean, that that one I think is just so one of the ones that's without question. Yeah, and he was kind of lining them up too. Yeah, exactly. Like he easily could have picked a different yeah. 
like, spot. We've talked about defenseless receivers all year. Like when they're running down the sideline and the safety's coming from across the field and you're meeting in the middle and then you catch it and you duck your head. Sometimes the sometimes it happens and you can like can you change your target area? Can you not? This one it was just like Yeah. I mean, like, to me, like aim for their waist. I'm like you can bring him down there. You're not yeah. going to get a knee to the face. You're not going to get a helmet-to-helmet penalty. Yeah. I'm like, just go for their yeah. waist. Yeah. Like, yeah. how hard is that? Yeah. Like I said, this one, like, they weren't moving fast. It wasn't a high-speed It wasn't a high speed thing. They weren't running across the field. It was just – Isn't that what, like, coaches tell you, like, all the time, like, when you're little? Like, oh, just watch their waist. Like, their waist never moves yeah. or something. Yeah. Like, when someone's trying to juke you yeah. out. Like, yeah. just go for their waist. Yeah. So, that one was a, a blatantly obvious one. There was uh, – so, the – Steelers ended up kicking a field goal on that on that drive. They kicked off the first play of the next drive for the Lions. The Steelers got a helmet to helmet receiver penalty. Um, I, I couldn't I couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah, whatever, dude. And I tried to. Yeah, I, did. I, I get did. it. But uh, but like this one to me was a, was a terrible call. So, and this not this has nothing to do with my being a Steeler fan. Um, so their slot receiver ran a uh, corner route to the sideline, 15 yards. Steelers safety came over. The Lions guy caught it, turned like brought his head all the way to his waist and the Steeler guy brought his arms, tried to try to wrap up his hip and their helmets like skidded, skidded. And it sounded like a huge, and the penalty flag comes in. Like you could, like it, it sounded like a helmet to helmet hit. And then they showed the replay and he's like in perfect tackling form. You know what we need to do? Earmuffs on the refs. I know. No, it's, 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 I think I, it's a, it's an unbiased call. What you see sometimes I think they use that for the for good thing for the right purposes sometimes, but other times it's especially more so with the helmet to helmet calls than anything else. You see a lot of times that the defenders are making f- good clean football plays, um, and a lot of times you hear it when it's shoulder pad on helmet, and you still get that same plastic to plastic sound, right? And you'll get a penalty, and it's just like. That one you're only calling because you're hearing something. It's like, I get it. It's moving. It's a fast game. It's moving quick. But that's that's interesting to me sometimes. I think they should be able to review those kind of plays like they can in college. Yeah, they don't. I don't think the NFL will ever do that. Why? Just because they're they're so right now they're so speed of game oriented that I don't think they'll ever try to slow it down. Transition into. <clears throat> Um, reviewing any not not just personal foul but any penalties like I, I honest I don't think they'll go start reviewing pass interference penalties holding penalties because I mean if, if as a coach you can start challenging a holding call or a pass interference call who the hell would challenge a holding call there's a lot of times that there's like some really shitty holding calls and especially the times that like you throw a touchdown pass or I don't know there's like really it's it's a lot I of mean times but holding doesn't plays, like, like get people game. hurt no yeah I know it doesn't it doesn't. But can you say, okay, so you can challenge helmet to helmet hits and you can't challenge anything else? Sure. If I was a commissioner, I'd say yes. I don't think they'll I don't think they'll ever I don't think they'll ever do that. You'll and, say, and, are and you saying I'll never be a commissioner? Well no, that's completely different. But but you know what else <laughs> you know what else would do more than anything else? So if you challenge a helmet to helmet hit, what it what is the broadcast gonna do ten times? Replay it? They're gonna replay the hit. Yeah. You know? Whether it whether it is or it isn't, you know, whether you're challenging that it was and they didn't call it, or whether you're challenging that it wasn't and then they did and they did call it, you know how many they how many replays they show when they go to review. Yeah, you like, rat. You would see those helmet to helmet hits 10, 15 times. It's like yeah. Uh, I think the fact that we NFL's even have this podcast, that. I don't think I'll ever be a commissioner. I don't think I'll. They'll, they'll, they won't let it meet anywhere near the NFL well, office. Yeah, it's, well, <laughs> it's okay. Don't need to get political. There's a lot of other reasons. <laughs> uh, okay, we're gonna finish. Oh no. I, I almost passed this one. Uh, the Fletcher Cox uh, defensive tackle from Philadelphia. Uh, he hit slash blocked the San Francisco offensive lineman, Joe Stanley, and it caused him to suffer a broken orbital bone on the play. Yeah. So. The video, you like literally can't see anything. I know. <laughs> And you can, and I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen it on TV. Yeah, I you see they, the aftermath. And but. they've they've had the news story, and in, in like they've been talking about it today, and they haven't, they don't have the, they don't have a good video of it yet. Um, but this was a, so this is a defensive guy. So the Eagles got an interception, returned for a touchdown. Um, and they're that's how it happens. Though a lot of times it's crackbacks. It happens a ton. It happens a ton, and they're trying to take it out. And I the was change sh- of field, and I was shocked they didn't throw a flag on it. You can only on the video, you can honestly only see him throw his hands up. 
right after he did it. Like, oh, I didn't do anything. Which means you did something. Which, which obviously <laughs> means you did something, which I was cause kind of surprised they didn't flow, throw a flag on. But a lot of times in those change of possession, quick swings, there's so much going on. Like, you're trying to watch the ball now as the official because – You've got to have your head on a swivel for those. You, I mean, you have your roles for your offensive play, but once possession changes and everyone starts blocking, it's just chaos. And you get – and then your, your position changes. You, I mean, you can't see anything. And it wasn't even – like, this block wasn't that close to the ball. I mean, he was probably 20 yards away from the ball still. So, but for them to – bigger than anything else, I guess they, the story is today that he could be facing a potential sus- suspension for it, which makes you think it was that – it has to be that bad. Right, and also that he, someone has a video of it somewhere. Yeah, so I'm interested to see – try to hopefully get a good picture of this to see what happens. Stay tuned. And obviously he broke, his, he broke his face. He broke his orbital bone. I read somewhere – it was on some, like, janky-ass YouTube video, like, covering this story. That, like, one of the ones where it's, like, a, a computer, like, talking the yeah. text. It's, like, really dumb. But what it said, whether it's a reliable source or not – is that uh, I guess uh, Joe Stanley said that Cox, like, when he blocked him, he got a hand under his face mask. Like, in that the hand to the face, I guess, yeah. caused the which, injury Which, which to I could see happening, bone. but that doesn't seem like – doesn't seem dirty. Yeah, I also don't think you get, like, knocked on your ass, like, from a hand to the also, face. Also true. And he didn't leave his feet. I mean, obviously, he's a 350-pound dude. He doesn't need he's to. huge. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I would like to see more on this. Because just for, for, the, for them to come out and say he might be facing a possible suspension, your first thought is, well, that, must be pretty, that must be pretty egregious. It must be pretty bad. Right. It's got to um, be. But then you, just, you can't really tell. Like, yeah. I, Stay tuned. We'll, we'll, we'll post if we, if we find something. If uh, he does get suspended, I would assume there'll be a – Bitter, a bigger video, uh, yeah. a better video of it. And if he does get suspended, I'm sure they'll play the video a million times if they have it. So true that. And this was actually my idea to finish out the podcast, not the the Pittsburgh fan over here. But we're gonna have our extended conversation about uh, Le'Veon Bell's workload and how he's not worried about this heavy workload in terms of carries he's getting each game. So uh, I'll, before I read some of his quotes, what are your thoughts on this, Josh? Well, to me, it. It makes sense, and everyone makes a big deal about Le'Veon Bell being a different type of running back and being patient. And he's fun to watch. Yeah. He he's very fun to watch. Um, if you go back and watch the first two, three games of the year this year, so he 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 held out and didn't didn't go to training camp, didn't play in any preseason games, didn't report until the week of the first game. So they played the Browns week one, and there's all the quotes about him not getting hit. He he got smacked. And I think a lot of it was he wasn't like he was in shape, but he wasn't like football speed wise. He wasn't ready, and he was trying to have the skill set that he has and the style that he has against the Browns week one, and he took some big hits. Um, so for everyone talks about his style, I just I don't know how much anyone can duplicate it. Like I agree, I agree with the fact that he doesn't take a lot of hits. And his style is just like, yeah, the patient approach, like finding your hole. And I know, like I was watching some of his highlight videos, like from this season. I was trying to like pick up on tendencies that he does. And from what I noticed, is he uses his hands a lot. Like he stiff arms, like with the best of them. And he knows when to get out of bounds. And he he delivers hits sometimes. Yeah, he does sometimes, uh, which was somewhat surprising to. To me, I, I was surprised to see how many times he actually did deliver some hits uh, as a runner. But well, the the interesting thing with so when he was in college, even we we played at Michigan State, he played at about I think two fifty five. They said, wait, what? Yeah, he was huge. He wasn't huge. Two fifty five is freaking huge. So he did, but he didn't. He looks different, but he doesn't look that different. So go back and look at his video from Michigan State some of his highlights but I mean Michigan State has is known for when they have a running back just running the wheels off of him I mean there was times at Michigan State where he was running the ball 40 times and they would get a lead and he'd run the ball 40 times and when he was at Michigan State he was just take on everybody like I said he was playing at 255 he built for and he was and so that I think that's where he got his um the ability to deliver a hit I think and his um willingness to take contact and now he's down to like 215. Um, so he's transitioned over his first couple of years in the league to lose 35, 40, 45 pounds. Um, 
and keep the athleticism that, that he has and keep the physicality that, that he has. Because he's, he's got the rare mix of, like I said, being able to be physical when he needs to, getting extra yards, but at the same time – But he picks and chooses when he does that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He, kn- he knows what he's doing when yes. he does it. Just like, uh, like everyone likes to say how patient he is and how he waits for the hole to develop. I mean, if he gets 25 carries in the game, five times a game, he hits the hole. And I think he, I think he uses his um, conception that everyone has of him being a patient runner to his advantage sometimes. And a lot of his play design too. But there will be a couple plays a game where he doesn't hesitate. And he hits the hole quick. Um, but I would say 75 80% of the time he gets the ball and he – It's almost like he sets himself up. Yeah, he kind of does that jump step. And he – I mean, I, I, I think he just got really good vision. I mean, he, he, he's able to see by not – going 100 miles an hour yeah he's able to see where everybody is coming from and he all he does do a really good job of setting guys up um getting he does a really good job of getting especially linebackers to go over pursue over pursue and go in go in a different hole than he actually wants to go in he does a really good job of and a lot of this is his offensive line that's able to when he's running really well the offensive line is blocking really well he has multiple lanes that he can go through, and he does a really good job of getting defenders, especially in the box linebackers, to bite into a hole that he doesn't want to go in. And and once once they're in there, they can't like 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 as a linebacker, it's just like a running back. Once you pick your hole, it's really hard to change it. So he does a really good job of getting linebackers sucked in into a hole that he doesn't want to go to, and then he so scoots, they get stuck, and then yeah. he scoots out the other side, and he doesn't get hit by those guys. Too much traffic. Uh, so I'll read off a couple of his quotes that he said kind of talking about this particular, not issue, but just the fact that he's carrying the ball a lot, uh, is that he said, I don't think I run like other running backs. I don't run into guys. I'm patient. I pick my spots. I get to the ground. I don't think I take a lot of – I don't think I take a lot of hits. And I did notice that, like, he does get to the ground quick. Like, once he makes contact, it's not like he's, like, chopping his feet and, like, trying no. to, like, get extra yards like – He's down. Yeah, there's he does he does do a good job of knowing when he's done, knowing when he's down and getting down. And like I said, and he also does a good job and he's big enough and physical enough when he is in a pile and he knows he's not going to get hit anymore of getting those 2 3 extra yards just by pushing the pile. Cuz he's got some protection around yeah, him. Yeah, he knows there's guys all around him and he's not it's not like he's out he's catching a pass. Um and he's gonna he's gonna like take yeah, Adams. He's, he's, he's gonna take a hit. He knows when he's in a pile, he has the ability to gain those extra yards by pushing forward. But he does he does know when to get down. I mean that's that's been a it's been a big argument for the last two three years with him and Pittsburgh and the sports media is because he always comes out and says I, I I can handle it I can handle it, I can handle it like workload blah 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 blah. Um, he hasn't been able to. St- he had. He has had injury problems. Um, he had the knee. A lot of them are fluky. A, a lot of them are not. Don't seem to be workload related. I mean, last year was the one that um, he ran thirty times against the Dolphins in the wild card game. And had one hundred eighty-five yards. He ran thirty times against the Chiefs in, in the second round. Had one hundred seventy-five yards. Um, and he looked like he tweaked his groin. In the is, is that a workload thing? Maybe I think I think it easily could have been, and then against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, he had five carries and he didn't play past the first quarter. You know what I think is interesting? Because I never like realized how much Le'Veon Bell runs the ball, like volume wise in a game, and it's really hit or miss. It's it's there, so, and it's just speaking specifically for from for being a Steeler fan. So everyone says, oh, when he runs the ball twenty five times a game, they win. Yeah, I get, I get that, and that makes sense. But they can't they, – they're not going to run him the ball 25 times at all costs just because that stat works out. When they win games, it's because he has 10 to 12 carries in the last 10 minutes of the game. It's, a, it's, it's not that him getting 25 carries is leading the win. It's that when they're winning in the fourth quarter and he gets 10, 10 carries in the fourth quarter, he's going to get 20 carries, right, 25 carries. What comes carries. first, the chicken or the egg? And – but by that time, they usually do a good enough job of wearing the defense down, and that's when a lot of these games where he's getting 25 carries and he's getting 150, 175 yards, he's getting a lot of yards in the fourth quarter. And there's and then when they go out, they lose to the Jaguars, right, or they lose to the Bears, and it's like Le'Veon only had 12 carries for 40 yards, 50 yards. Well, they were losing. Why weren't they giving it to him? Well, they were losing. You know, they're not going to just give him the ball 25 times just so a stat works out. Yeah. So, but the way their offense is run, when they have a lead in the fourth quarter. 
they they they'll 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 run him 12 15 times in the fourth quarter but they're for for the last two years everyone's been saying give him more time off during the season give him series off i mean they have a rookie running back who they really really like and he gets one two carries a game second quarter he'll 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 come in for two or three plays in the second quarter two or three plays in in, in the third quarter and they're they're really but it's 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 hard to take a guy like that out of the game yeah. you know especially when he says how it doesn't affect him. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me. Well, I thought what I was getting at is that he's been in trouble for marijuana, right? Yes. Well, I'm like, how can you give the guy 35 carries in a game and, like, give him crap about something that's going to be, like, an anti-inflammatory, like, effect on his system and help him recover? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like he's not doing it because he, like, wants to be, uh, you know, a degenerate. Yeah. He's doing it to like take care of himself, possibly. I, I'm biased, obviously, because of the interviews yeah. I've done with uh, NFL guys in cannabis. But that's something that I thought about. And the second thing I'm curious about is, like, what's like from an ownership, like an NFL owner perspective, a coaching perspective, like, how can you like, where's your conscience at? Is like, how often do you like work a guy with 35 carries in a game? Like, how do you consciously make that decision and like be okay with that in terms of like his career longevity? Yeah, and that's and it's like you're responsible for like, you know, the wheels falling off of some guy. Yeah. So we look at so a lot of the times, a lot of the media, specifically Pittsburgh media and fans, look at it from a year to year perspective. You, you know, uh, and from a position perspective, and like that's one of the reasons why why he held out. You know, running backs don't make it. All right, Brady's playing. He's forty. He's playing. You know, Eli's 37, 36, he's playing. Ben's 35, you know, they're but they're quarterbacks. Running backs don't make it past 30 usually, you know. It's really hard for running backs to get that second big contract. And that's kind of why – that's the main reason why I think Le'Veon was holding out. I mean, he wants to get that first big contract as early as he can so he can hopefully get that second big contract at 28, 29. He, I mean, he can't, he can't play like this for – this is his fourth year in the league – he can't play like this for 12 years. I mean, running backs don't play that long. So, um, the problem, the only problem with that train of thought is if you're, as a coach, once you're thinking, okay, how is this going to affect him six, seven, eight years down the line? You're fired. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're taking away from winning this game, which at the end of the day is the biggest goal you have. Okay, the second secondary goal is okay, can we set ourselves up for the end of the year? Can we set ourselves up for the playoffs this season? You know, if you get caught in thinking, okay, how is this going to affect us next year, two years, three years down the road? I mean, you're taking variables that you don't know exist anymore. That's true. So, and I think it kind of you hate to say it comes with the territory, but like I said, I mean, running backs is, they, they don't last very long. It's kind of I guess it's like you're getting paid to run the ball, so. Yeah, and he does I mean, he does have a high volume, but I don't. It's not thirty-five. It's not thirty-five. Twenty. I mean, if he runs the ball twenty times, that's that. That's a good day for him. But like I said, it's also because he was, they were they were leading and he was running late in the game. All right. Uh, another part in that article that I found that kind of talked about this was uh, he wouldn't or that Le'Veon wouldn't be the first Steelers running back to know when to avoid a big hit. Frank uh, Franco Harris famously had a reputation for ducking out of bounds instead of embracing a big collision, allowing him to enjoy a thirteen-year career. And, uh, for example, lead the team in <clears throat> rushing at age 31. Yeah. And to me, like based off of the mistakes that I made as a running back and trying to freaking run everyone over and never go out of bounds and <clears throat> trying to be a freaking meathead. You can only do it so much. Yeah, you don't last very long. So yeah. I always preach that to like young football players. I'm like, don't be the freaking hero. Like, get out of bounds and you'll be able to keep playing. Like that's yeah. that's the key yeah. at the at the end of the day. Like that's the goal. Yeah, I mean, I I think Le'Veon gets it. I also think that Le'Veon likes talking about Le'Veon. So I think he likes to say how much he can carry the ball. He likes to say how it doesn't affect him. He likes to say how good of a shape he's in. I mean, it's kind of that's kind of been his mo. Um, his, I mean, all of his social media stuff. It's all look at me stuff, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but I think there is a little part that isn't completely honest about it. If you're running the ball 30 times, you're going to feel it, you know? It just, yeah. 
I mean, anyone who's ever done but, even close to that. But knows. he, but he is very good at saying how different he is as a running back and how he 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 likes the publicity that it comes with it. Gotcha. He doesn't shy away from it. So, but he does he does know when to pick his spots and he does and he knows when to be physical and when to when to get down and like he's he's a, he's he's a different. But like what like what I said at the very beginning of the conversation, watching him week 1 and week 2, he was trying to do play how he know like knows he can play and thinks he can play and he was getting hit. He was he did he was there was guys who he didn't see coming and he was get hit getting hit hard. Cause a lot of times, like you said, he isn't going very fast. So he's going in the hole and the first week there was a couple times where he entered the hole and he saw one guy in front of him and he's doing his like jukes and, like, oh, okay. and patient and the and a guy came from the side and just creamed him. So I think it's very hard to teach someone to to run like that because if you're off a little bit you you, you you get hurt. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, go out there and be patient out yeah, there, and then yeah. you just get clocked. Yeah. So, I mean, it's – It's a skill. Like you said, it's very fun to watch, but it's – it is it is a talent. And it's – like I said, I don't think it can be, I don't think it can be taught. And he's – he seems he, he seems to have, when he's in – like like now, when he's in fully in the flow of the season and back in football, I mean, he's mastered it, I think. So, Whatever happened to uh, Franco Harris? Uh, he played with the Steelers for twelve years. He went to he played went to Seattle for one year, and he didn't. He I think he retired halfway through the year. He just wasn't wasn't, wasn't playing very the, much. Do you know him. if he lives in the Pittsburgh area? Uh, he's around Pennsylvania, I think. Um, He'd be a good Heads and Tails podcast interview. Franco Harris. Yeah, I'd like to l- learn from how he was able to have such a long career. I I have a connection, kind of. I swear to God, I do. Let's make it happen. Uh, all right, last quote from this, just because I liked the idea and the mindset behind it. This is what Le'Veon said. If it's third and three or something, of course you got to get it. Uh, but every carry is not like that for me. I had 35 last week. I probably had four or five last game where I went where I went head or the hears me reading out loud again. <laughs> <laughs> where I'm where I'm head to head and just got at it. That's low. Uh, a lot of games get 25 carries and 22 carries are like that. Uh, I just think I run a little different. But yeah. I like the uh, the mentality of, like, picking and choosing your battles. Like, don't freaking run someone over if you still have 10 yards to get a first down. Like, pick, you know, get it if you can get a first yeah. down. Like, all right, maybe it's yeah. worth it. But And at the same time, he's built enough clout and he has, he's been good enough for long enough where he can, or he can do that. You know what I mean? Right. If your guy just breaking into the league – uh, and you're trying to and you're trying to make a roster. You're trying to get more carries. That that style can I think be looked down upon if you're not producing with it very easily. Right. So it's he's built up enough. He's earned his reputation. Yeah. yeah. And he, and he's able to do it and he's able to produce with it. So, but I don't. But it's like I said, if you just come in the league and you do it and you and it's not, it's not working and you're ducking contact, they're going to be like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. That reminds me of this one interview I did with uh, David Maluski. He played at Rutgers, and he was talking about how like when you first get on the team you first get into college football he's like you're constantly trying to prove your toughness yeah. you constantly try to prove yourself and you have to do these like bonehead things to like get attention and to like show that you're like one of the guys yeah. and the sad part is you, you think that it would it more works your coaches would be like look at this fucking tough ass yeah you know yeah and he's like and he's like and once you get that he's like then you don't have to do it anymore He's like, once you reach a certain level of like respect from the team, then like you can play like Le'Veon and like protect yeah. yourself. So, but is that a thing that's just so ingrained and so naturally built into football that you can't ever change it? Well, I think that's why we're talking about it today. I think that's why we're trying to change these kinds of things, and hopefully, yeah. like running backs coming up, that like maybe a guy like Le'Veon yeah. wins the Heisman Trophy, yeah. and like that's how he runs. It's so not like, necessarily. It's not soft. It becomes a new standard. Yeah. That's kind of what Barry. You, you hear Barry Sanders talking about it yesterday. No, on the broadcast. What he say? So they brought. Oh, maybe that's why. Yeah, that's where I got the idea. Yeah, so yeah. they were talking to Barry Sanders about it. He was on for a drive, and it was like there was a lot of times growing up where I was called soft and by my coaches and not given carries and not played because I was seen as avoiding contact, getting down. You see, if you're old enough to remember Barry Sanders' run, I mean, there is lots of times where he'd get tackled five yards in the in the backfield because he was like running all over the place, and but. That was his. That was his style, you know. And a lot of times, it was seen. He said, especially early growing up, it was seen as a negative. It was seen as soft and not tough. He was one of the best running backs of all time. Right. So 
it's but that's your just your football mentality of okay he was he would he would get closed in in the backfield try to get out of it and he'd be five yards behind the scrimmage and just dive down and not not get hit because he knows he can't get out of it you know what that made me think of like when when the first football game ever started like 100 100 years ago no seriously like when someone like decided to come up with the rules of like what originated as what football has evolved to become it's like not a gentleman's game not meant to be a gentleman's game well that's not even what i was getting at it's like the person who has the ball, like, at the time, I would think that it's not like, you know, let's make contact. Like, no, like, you're supposed to run away from contact. Like, that's the point of, like, having the ball is, yeah. like, so you don't get hit. Yeah. And it's kind of evolved into this, like, macho masculine thing where, like, you're soft if you don't hit when you have the ball. I'm like, which makes no sense. And a lot of it is equipment that's allowed them to, to a certain extent. Yeah, 100%. But uh, but I yeah I, I I agree. There's this book that I want you to read. I read it like years ago. We'll do like a off season uh, episode on this one. It's called The Big Scrum, and it's all about like the evolution of football and like how you it's know, changed. It's changed like yeah. from the the beginning days. But that's for months from now. Uh, if you don't if you aren't sick of me by then. <laughs> Uh, but Josh, thank you again for all your preparatory work for this episode, and I think it was a, a good one. And once again, happy birthday, and Thanks. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.